Today's scripture reading is Luke chapter 16. Jesus also said to his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in to ask, What is this I hear about you? Turn in an account of your management, for you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do? Now that my master is taking away my position, I am too weak to dig and too ashamed to beg. I know what I will do, so that after my removal from management, people will welcome me into their homes. And he called in each one of his master's debtors. How much do you owe my master? He asked the first. A hundred measures of olive oil, he answered. Take your bill, said the manager. Sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he asked another, and how much do you owe? A hundred measures of wheat, he replied. Take your bill and write eighty, he told him. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the sons of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to make friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, they will welcome you into eternal dwellings. Whoever is faithful with very little will also be faithful with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you have not been faithful with the belongings of another, who will give you belongings of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all of this and were scoffing at Jesus. So he said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts, for what is prized among men is detestable before God. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing his way into it. But it is better for heaven and earth to pass away than for a single stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery. And he who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now there was a rich man dressed in purple and fine linen, who lived each day in joyous splendor. And a beggar named Lazarus lay at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. One day the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham from afar with Lazarus at his side. So he cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham answered, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here while you are in agony. And besides all this, a great chasm has been fixed between us and you, so that even those who wish cannot cross from here to you, nor can anyone cross from there to us. Then I beg you, Father, he said, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also end up in this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. 
Let your brothers listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, they will repent. Then Abraham said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. And this is God's word. This chapter contains one of the strangest parables Jesus ever spoke in verses 1 through 8. It is about a bad manager who, when he was getting fired, gave deep discounts to the customers of his master, according to verses 1 through 7. The purpose of those discounts was to make the customers like him, so they would give him a place to stay after he was fired, according to verse 4. After wasting his master's money, according to verse 1, probably by making risky loans that went bad, this man lowered his master's revenue even further by reducing the profit his master would make on the few good loans this bad manager had made. Think of it like this. Back in 2008, banks started to lose money on all the risky loans they had made. But you made all your mortgage payments on time and would continue to do so even though your lender was going bankrupt with all the other loans. Imagine you owed, say, $50,000 on your house. Then the loan officer at your bank called you and said, I've refinanced your mortgage. You now owe only $25,000. You can pay it off now, or you can just keep on making the same mortgage payment, but you'll be done much earlier. That'd be nice, right? But what if the loan officer got fired and needed a place to stay after making this kind of loan to you? Would you let him sleep on your couch for a while? Or in your basement? Or in your spare bedroom? It would be weird, but given how much money he saved you, wouldn't it be worth a few months of free lodging? If I were the master in this story, I'd be mad at the money manager for wasting my money, and I'd really be mad at him for giving such deep discounts to the few profitable clients we had left. But that's not what the manager in the story did. Instead, according to verse 8, he commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Though he lost a lot of money, the owner had to admire how his ex-manager made a safety net for himself out of nothing. That was a shrewd thing to do. Jesus applied this story to us and the way we use our money. He commanded us to use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. A quotation from verse 9. What does that mean exactly? It means be generous with your money now and give it away to others instead of being stingy with it. After all, money belongs to God, not to us, according to verse 12. If we trust God, we'll be generous, knowing that our eternity is secure, according to verse 9. Generosity is the result of faith in God. It does not buy God's affection. But the reverse is true. Stinginess is the result of no faith in God. Instead, when we live like money is everything and should never be shared, we are revealing that we love money more than we love God, as we saw in verse 13. Think about how you use money. Does the way you save it and spend it reveal that it is your God? Or are you growing in generosity because you are a servant of God? What is one financial decision that you could make today that would bring your money management into greater alignment with your statement 
of faith. If you like this devotional, please consider signing up to receive them every day in your email. Go to dailypbj.com slash subscribe for that. Also, would you consider becoming a financial supporter so that I can make more content and reach more people with God's word? Go to dailypbj.com slash support for that. You could also share this devotional with someone you know who might enjoy it, and I'd appreciate that very much. I hope you have a great day. God bless you. We'll see you next time.